The Cigar Dave Show podcast is presented by Diamond Crown. Sit back, relax, pour a drink, and light up a Diamond Crown as you begin the show with the general, Cigar Dave. This is CCRN, the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the Cigar City of Tampa, Florida, U.S.A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. I am right at home. I am at home on the flight line at this year's 43rd annual Sun and Fun International Flying and Expo, Lakeland Leonard International Airport, Lakeland, Florida, midway between the Cigar City of Tampa and Orlando. It is a gorgeous day, sun warm, a beautiful spring, early spring of Florida day. The sound of airplanes are all around us. The smell of jet fuel and av gas is around us. There are pilots, there are aviation enthusiasts, people having a good time. And that's what it is all about. Enjoying yourself, experiencing flight. I call it spring break for pilots. And the slogan of this year's Sun and Fun Expo is clear to land. We're clear to land, we're cleared to take off, we're cleared to have pleasure maneuvers front and center today. I'm the Cigar Dave Show. Long Ash greetings and salutations. A Long Ash snappy salute. Semper delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. The General. Front and center on the flight line. Great to have you with us. Be sure that you check us out at CigarDave.com. Download the Cigar Dave mobile app for iPhone or Android. And also make sure that you follow us on social media. Go to CigarDave.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all the various social media sites. It is my pleasure to start off our great show today from the Sun and Fun International Flying and Expo with the president and CEO, longtime friend, been a guest since uh, the beginning with us, John Lights Leanhouts. As always, great to see you. I can't call you John. It's no. Lights. And in fact, on your name tag, it says Lights in quotes, L-I-T-E-S, customer service. Not president, <laughs> not CEO, customer service. <laughs> that is exactly right there, Cigar Dave. You know what? The neatest thing about this uh, position that I've been f fortunate to fall into is I get to meet so many cool, really neat people that love life because they live in aviation. And this name right there is customer service because I love making a customer happy. Our job is to ensure that everybody that comes here, whether you're a guest walking in the door, whether you're a vendor, you're a performer, you're a servicing guy, servicing ice and water force out here, that you have a great time and walk away going, wow, those are some nice folks out there. I had a fun time. I think I'm going to do that next year. And it works every time. Southern Hospitality, we go down the road every day thinking, how can we make it better for everybody that comes to our wonderful campus? And you have, and we'll talk about that in, uh, a little bit later on in this segment. But, uh, Lights, let's first of all talk. This is what, year four or five for you? This is my fifth year on the staff. 
and it will be my sixth fly-in. I started in 2012, and this will be 17, obviously. That will be my sixth event, and I'm thrilled to tell you that I've actually seen the momentum and the movement of our cultural change create a whole different perspective on what Sun and Fun the campus looks like, and the atmosphere out here is more upbeat. It's taken a while to get there, but we're there and on our way to a better one. I'll tell you, I was here... Uh this is air, obviously airing Saturday, but I was here day one on Tuesday, and it was busy then, and it is just packed today. Absolutely. Our sales this week, okay, normally we would uh, we'd, you know, be over half a million. We're approaching a million in sales before we ever open the door. Okay, we're up 25% over last year, 15% over our very best Talking year. Talking about ever. million people. No, millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars that have been bought buying camping spots and admission tickets and parking tickets and VIPs and uh, all kinds of stuff, just early buying of admissions. So our actual attendance is going to be off the chart. We've already sold out on some of our VIP seating areas. There's just no more room. It's great. And that, that didn't exist two, three years ago. No, we were, lucky to, we were lucky to just pay the bills. Now I can honestly tell you, not only is Sun and Fun completely debt-free, but we have money in the bank, and we are now the world's number one provider of scholarships for aviation-oriented education. That is huge. And what I want to talk about, because this really the funds the proceeds from this giant fly-in. Where there's gonna, how many people are going to be here, do you think, this week? Well, I'm going to be very honest. We don't, we don't make numbers up. We're about 200,000 people. Everybody says, oh, well, you go to all these other places and it's 300 and 400. I said, dude, dude, think about this. You go to an NFL, NFL game and they got between 70 and 80,000 and it's jam packed. Okay? We have 200,000. That's basically three and a half, four times or three times as much as you get an NFL game. That's a lot of people. Lights, I'll bet you some great cigars and a cocktail, of course, not when we fly, <laughs> that you'll surpass 200,000 this year. I think we will too. I feel really comfortable about that o only because the atmosphere has changed. I. We attribute it to three things. One, the public realizes we've, we've been doing a much better job of being customer-oriented. Two, I think that the, the reality that they've picked up on that where the money goes back into the community, it's no longer going to line anybody's pocket. It goes right back into the city, into the county, and the state of Florida. And lastly, like him or not, the leadership in the White House right now has got everybody believing we're on the right track. So all the people that come to these kind of fly-ins, they're spending money because they feel the economy's stable. Lights. I'm thrilled at the president, and uh, I like him. I, I do there's too. no not with me. I can <laughs> tell you that. I like him. He's a direct. He's an alpha. And one other thing that I, we should attribute it to that you're too modest to say, and that is your exceptional, not outstanding, exceptional leadership. You have. Ch I've been here coming to these for probably now about uh, 14, 15 years, oh. and the atmosphere has changed so dramatically, and the enthusiasm, the excitement, vendors are far more upbeat. The fact that uh, the, your entire organization at Sun and Fun is now customer-oriented, yep. and I see this year you've made some change. Easier for people to get around. Instead of just the tractors, you've got these, like, airplane tugs that are much more comfortable ways to travel around. So you're still always making improvements, but don't you, you have done an outstanding job, and I want to publicly uh, recognize you for well, that. Well, thanks, Cigar David. And I, 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 have to, I appreciate the comment, but I would tell you that they just needed somebody in here with the passion and the heart to do it. They all wanted to do it. They all wanted to go in the right direction, but nobody could, uh, they couldn't shore up the compass and get it going in the right direction. I just gave them a little bit of leadership right here and then turned them loose, and they're doing great things for us. You're an alpha leader. You gave people direction. They want to follow, and that's exactly what people do. You give them direction. You take control. And let's talk uh, lights. And by the way, our guest is John Lights Leanhouts, L-I-T-E-S. You, you 
let's talk how you got that nickname because you were in the military <laughs> for many years. Great story behind that. Well, you know, I uh, started out as a young naval aviator back in uh, 1973 before you were born, Dave. And, uh, uh, <laughs> I wanted 64 close. Okay, well, I was a little bit ahead of you there. In any event, I was this very aggressive, excited young naval aviator that just, I, I loved everything aviation. But unfortunately, I didn't have a lot of experience, and I didn't have very good judgment. So I kept making a lot of mistakes, and so I was getting labeled as, you know, this goofy guy with a lot of heart but not a lot of good common sense. And my last name is Leanhouse, and they said, you know, that sounds a lot like a lighthouse. But I can tell you right now, the lights are off in that house, all right? <laughs> so I was lights out for about three years, lights out in the lighthouse until I stopped making mistakes. Then I got into the, uh, my, one of my collateral jobs was uh, working as a public affairs officer. So they said, well, it's sort of like lights, camera, action. I had a camera everywhere I went. I was one of the first guys to carry a camera in a combat airplane. Took uh, thousands of pictures, been published all over the world, never made a dime off of it, but it's just fun. And that camera, lights, camera, action just sort of stuck, and that's what it's been ever since. I, I venture to say there's probably only a handful of people, my wife being one of them, that knows what my real first name is. Everybody else just thinks I'm Lights. That's just who I am. I always call you Lights, but it's John. <laughs> and uh, John Lights Leadhouts, the uh, president and CEO of Sun and Fun International Flying and Expo. And by the way, you're a public affairs officer. I don't know if you've ever heard this, that you really don't have the enthusiasm or the personality to be a public affairs officer. <laughs> you ever heard that before? No. Never. <laughs> <laughs> that that, that this is not in the vocabulary. And you know, I always say that you can't do anything unless you have tremendous enthusiasm about what you're doing and you do with Sun and Fun. Well, there's, it's because it's such a great mission. You know, it's, it's easy to, to, to get a little bit of excitement in your, in your voice when you're selling a car, you want to make a little bit of money. But when you're selling something that has so much of an impact on our culture and on our American society, you get so embedded in this thrill of success, you can't see anything but success. So that's where, we, that's where I get my energy from. I'll tell you what, on, a, on any one given day of the week, on a 2, uh, two o'clock, 2.30 in the afternoon, if I'm feeling a little bit low and running down on energy, I just zip on over here to the Lakeland Aero Club, walk through there, watch those 60-some kids working on airplanes. Oh, I'm sorry. They're not kids. They're young adults. You know why? Because we don't have kids in cockpits. You walk into an airplane, you walk, sit in it, fix it, touch it, fly it, whatever. You're a young adult. Well, I watch those kids, those young men and women, turn into great citizens. And that's where I get my energy. So all of a sudden, it's like, I got to do more. We can't stop here. There's so much more to do. Well, and Lights, as a fellow aviation enthusiast and pilot, not just young adults, but if you go to adults and mature adults and hang around them, there's always great conversation and great camaraderie about uh, being around an airport. A lot of guys get together for pancakes for breakfast or for lunch or have a barbecue. They may just be right next to their airplanes, not fly, but it's, I really believe the camaraderie and that, that spirit that is so really ever-present in aviation. That, that, that camaraderie, that sense of esprit de corps, of being in that elite group that fly airplanes or fix airplanes or design airplanes, it's such a, uh, a, a, a culture of perfection. We all have different walks of life that we do. But when you get into the world of aviation, you know that you have to do it right the first time every time, whether it's doing that pre-flight, whether it's changing that spark plug, whether it's designing that tail feather, the ailerons or the, the rudder for an airplane, it's gotta be right. So the people that share that same culture of perfection, which we, we term that as the basic skills of good be, being a good citizen, of having the situational awareness, decision-making, responsibility, accountability, self-reliance, self-confidence, that's what we instill in all of our students that we bring into our Central Florida Aerospace Academy and our Aerospace Center for Excellence. And, and so 
as you see on our name tags here, it doesn't say on the right on, under Sun Fund. It used to say Spring Break for Pilots. Now it says a brighter future through aviation. Didn't say in it. It said through it. Right. You learn the skills of aviation, you'll be successful anywhere you go. And if you go over to our high school and you walk up to the first big round circle with all the bricks in it, every student who soloed an airplane, the name, the date they soloed, an airplane they soloed in, has a big right. The letters on it says solo to success whatever you choose to do. But we're going to teach you the skills to be a good citizen and then turn you loose on the world. And you may not, uh, these students may not uh, have a career in aviation, but they may have a career in medicine or law or business or, or government, whatever the case is, but you're hitting it right on the head. You are training them teaching them to be good citizens, good leaders early on. Absolutely. That's the goal in life. That's why when I walk over to that Lakeland Aero Club and see the students swarming over airplanes that they're working on, it's because we've given them the reality that that's theirs. They're responsible for it. They're accountable for it. They've got to, I am not going to mow the grass for you. I'm not going to go out there and change those spark plugs and change the oil. You've got to do it. That's your airplane. Take care of it. And they learn those tenets, and then they apply them the rest of their life. The young lady was here with me just a minute ago. She's my executive assistant. Here's a young lady whose father came across from Cuba at the age of 14 years old, nothing on his back in 1961. He worked his way in, through college, got into the United States Air Force, became a fighter pilot, a doctor. He moved to Sun, he run to Lakeland, Florida over 20 years ago to work at Sun and Fun as a doctor, a volunteer doctor. She is a senior now in our uh, Central Florida Aerospace Academy. She's just got our scholarship to learn to fly. She'll be a pilot before the summer. Then she's going to Florida Southern on a full ride with the Army ROTC. She's going to go to nursing and be an Army helicopter pilot. Do you think that would happen anywhere else in the world? And this aren't going to cost her a dime. She's on her way. That's the kind of the culture we're building is help these young men and women get into the world we love because you and I both know going up to that fence, like, you know, it didn't used to be there, but the fence at the airport. That's right. Now you're looking through a fence. You're not looking at an open ramp. And guess what? The cost to learn to fly, it ain't, it ain't a thousand bucks roof. anymore. It's $12,000. But guess what? That's what Sun and Fun does every day is we generate revenues like this event. This is a fundraiser. Sun and Fun International Flying and Expo is a fundraiser. We're raising dollars to put into our scholarship program. Our scholarship program doles out a half a million dollars a year to all kinds of young men and women in our local area to get into the world of aviation, whether it be to fly them, fix them. We got AMPs. We have a, our school trait teaches you how to be a, a mechanic and also go to college. Four years of college, $20,000. Something for everyone. We, not everybody wants to be a pilot. They no. may want to be a mechanic. Some people may not want to go to college, but they, they're mechanically inclined. So there's something for everyone. I've, I've taken a tour of that school. It really is incredible, an amazing facility. Did you, did you go in the 727? I did. How cool is that? Uh, I'll tell you what, the first airplane I ever had when I was uh, five years old in Buffalo, New York, that was before they had jet, uh, the jet bridges, the, uh, the jetways, I remember, was, and I even remember the flight number, United Flight Number 977, Sunbird Service from <laughs> Buffalo to Miami. That's cool. And I remember seeing the plane. It was a 7 a.m. flight, looking straight up at it because you waited almost, uh, you had to take the stairs up, looking at it. I remember telling my father, that is so big. And that was the first time ever on an airplane. And he'd always take me to the airport. We'd see the planes take off and land. So I was smitten at a very, very young age and always found it fascinating. And I still remember how hot the uh, stewardess back in those days <laughs> were. Five years old, and she was harem material. John Lights Leanhouts, the president and CEO of the Sun and Fun International Fly, and our guest. We will continue as we come to you this entire show from the flight line at Sun and Fun, Lakeland, Florida. If you miss 
miss any of the general show, you can catch up anytime with the Cigar Dave mobile app. Presented by Diamond Crown. Listen to the most recent show simply by opening the app with our continuous replay. Or you can download a podcast of a past show. Search Cigar Dave in the App Store to get it. It's an exquisite day here at the Jensen Estate patio overlooking the 13th green. And we're underway. Jim Jensen has chosen his favorite stick. The Diamond Crown Number no. 4 by J.C. Newman. See the way he holds the cigar, Tom? Mm -hmm. Excellent balance and heft. Ooh, he's eyeing the Silky Connecticut Shade Wrapper. Fermented twice for the smoothest, richest flavor. And hand-rolled by the Fuente family with a blend of six to seven distinct Dominican and Caribbean Basin tobacco leaves. Each lovingly aged for at least five years. Oh, now Jensen's lighting up the Diamond Crown. He's got a precision burn, Tom. Mm, those highly complex flavors with hints of dark chocolate really deliver, Bill. Yes, like all cigars in J.C. Newman's premium diamond crown line. That'd be the highly rated Maximus and the Julius Caesar. Ah, now Jensen's settling in, rolling the rich smoke through his nose. Look at the satisfaction on his face, Bill. Oh, a thing of beauty, Tom. Experience the premium diamond crown brand by J.C. Newman at select retailers or Diamond Crown Lounge near you. Find us on Facebook at J.C. Newman Cigar Co. or visit diamondcrown.com. Just a spectacular day of weather here on the flight line at the Sun and Fun Flying and Expo. few important items. If you are a member of my officers club, the April 2017 selection is the Gurkha 125th Anniversary Cigar. This is a beautiful stick complex, spicy, rich, kind of cigar you can really sink your teeth into. A lot of flavor, medium to full-bodied. The Gurkha 125th anniversary coming your way. If you're not a member of my officers club, go to CigarDave.com right now and join. The great legendary comedian, greatest of all time as far as I'm concerned, Don Rickles passed away at age 90 this week. Next week, I'll do an appropriate tribute to him when we have more time on the show favorite of all time. May Don rest in peace. Lastly, big announcement next week on the show regarding the date and location of the Cigar Dave Alpha Pleasure Fest on the water from the Buffalo, New York Theater of Operations. It's Alpha Male Pleasure in the Stratosphere. Oh. Sort of like the Mile High Club. This is the Cigar Dave Show from the annual Sun and Fun International Fly-In and Expo in Lakeland, Florida. And now, your aviator-in-chief, Cigar Dave. From the flight line, Sun and Fun, gorgeous Florida, Spring, Florida Day. Rejoined by John Lights Leanhouts, the president and CEO of the Sun and Fun International Fly-In and Expo. Lights, you have 28 paid staff that works year-round, but you have 3,000 volunteers that work not only this event this week, but throughout the course of the year. Absolutely. Uh, the neatest part about this organization, at Sun and Fun itself, is that uh, everybody gives their heart and soul to it. So we only have a few of us to keep the cost down, the cost of operation, down to 21 paid, and then seven more that are part-time paid. And then after that, we have 3,000 volunteers. Some of them work year-round. Some of them work just during the fly-in. Some we actually have come from all over the United States and 
Canada that come in here starting in November and they move into our campground and they work all week long, all the way up to the fly-in and through it. From November until April? That's right. They move. They live in a campground. We've got a spot, uh, uh, 52 spots, so we have about 100 volunteers. There's usually a, uh, a wife and a husband, and they uh, they come out here and they work in all the, the wood shop, the, the electrical shop, the plumbing shop, uh, the uh, welding shop. What some people don't realize is we are totally self-sufficient. Right. We don't shop anything out. So everything you see here, all the buildings and uh, everything is done by us. Unless it's a major construction, we take care of all the plumbing and electrical. And, and you're talking about plumbing. You just added some nice air-conditioned restrooms. Like those, huh? I like them. Much better than the portal. Although the portal at near the AOPA, uh, this, this is like luxury. It's air-conditioned. <laughs> like I mean, it. It's like walking into a hotel. You almost want to tip somebody because the place is so clean. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about what somebody will experience when they come to Sun and Fun in Lakeland. Give people a visual, uh, a, a, an audio tour of what they can experience here. Well, the first thing you got to realize is that it's a multi-level experience. Everything from ground level to through the top of the sky to the 10,000 foot level. And it's designed as an expo. Okay, people think it's an air show. An air show is here. That's correct. You usually have between three and four hours of an air show every afternoon, all six days with all kinds of great airplanes. Those aircraft are, uh, are we all good? Okay, so we got, we got, we all, got lights for now. He'll yeah. wait. <laughs> <laughs> he said uh, that we, what we have is, is that we've got uh, all the major acts of aerobatics. We've got the, all the military tactical jets cargo planes, helicopters, and we wrap it up on Friday, Saturday, Sunday with the Blue Angels, one of the finest aerobatic uh, demonstration teams in the world, will be here. They're phenomenal. And then on the ground, of course, we have all the World War II airplanes. We have over uh, almost 20 Mustangs, the airplane that won the war in the sky over Europe. and right, in, the Warbirds. Uh, all the Warbirds line up out there. But the part that people forget is on the ground are over 500 exhibitors and vendors that are showing all the newest technology associated with aviation. And they go, well, well I don't really like airplanes. And I say, I say to the, the, the young students, I say, but do you like your cell phone? And they go, well, yeah, that's really cool. I said, do you know what's in your cell phone I had five years ago in an airplane? Because that technology, it goes into aircraft first, then it migrates down when it becomes more uh, affordable into your cell phone. So if you want to know what's coming up, go take a look at this. I mean, you've got heads-up displays that you'll be able to wear on your, on your forehead one day. Okay, all this stuff is happening. Unmanned air vehicles, all the new technology is right here. Then there's always great food, and there's a spirit of, uh, of festival. It's kind of like, it's not a carnival, it's a festival. And it's an expression of love for aviation. And it's a great way for a family uh, or, or a father-son, mother-daughter, father-daughter to come out, walk around, get great weather, touch airplanes, see airplanes, be able to experience it firsthand. And I can tell you that I have stimulated the aviation economy while I've been here purchasing uh, some aviation-related goods. And uh, give us the website, Lights. www.flysnf.org because we're a nonprofit. Flysnf.org. Tomorrow, one day to go Sunday. Come on out. If you're in Orlando, Tampa, anywhere in Florida, it is worth it. You will have a great time. John Lights, Leanhouse, the president, CEO of the Sun and Fun International Flying and Expo. Thank you, my friend. As always, great to see you. Cigar Dave, you're the best. Keep it up. Love those cigars. Keep them coming, buddy. And great flying. And uh, we will continue right around the corner as we enjoy life on the flight line. The General is now on Instagram. Follow him for pictures of the latest cigars, libations, and what he's enjoying during the show. <laughs> that could be interesting, and we'll have to block out some faces. 
Go to Instagram and search Cigar Dave. In 1964, José O. Padrón began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padrón cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padrón controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padrón family, it's called making great cigars. The Padrón lines include the Padrón 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padrón Traditional line. All Padrón cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padrón. For your Padrón retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padrón is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. Enjoy the latest and greatest cigars shipped directly to you. Join the Cigar Dave Officers Club now, and you'll receive three premium cigars every month. Membership is just $22.95, including shipping and handling. Join by going to CigarDave.com now. That's CigarDave.com. Click on Officers Club. Unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy. It's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, we have to have some sort of aviation theme music as we conduct litation and libation maneuvers on the flight line at the 43rd Annual Sun and Fun International Flying and Expo, Lakeland Lindner Airport, Lakeland, Florida. So you are listening to Rhapsody in Blue, which is the theme music for United Airlines commercials. Now, I, of course, could recite I could the Eastern Airlines jingles, the American jingles. I'm trying to think what other jingles. Uh, there's a whole Delta, a whole bunch of them. But we will just stick to the Rhapsody in Blue in the background. And you may hear some fighter jets in the background as they are prepping and practicing for the air show later today. But for Litation... I have pulled out a cigar that is worthy of being smoked on the flight line. You need something that's going to be powerful with a lot of horsepower. You need something that is going to stand up to the wind. And I have selected the Swag Black. It is one of the two cigars that were part of the March 2017 Officers Club selection. We started off a few weeks ago with the Swag Brown Connecticut. And now we are going to enjoy the Swag Black. This is the fuller flavored of the two. If you prefer spicy food, you like Cajun food, you like a nice, bold steak, you like something that's going to have some heat to it, you will, and if you like a bold Cabernet or some very, very strong coffee, 
you know, like Starbucks, uh, high viscosity, straight up, big caffeine. You will love the full-bodied swag black. This is a Dominican puro, meaning Dominican wrapper, binder, and filler. Uses a very intense lajero leaf, the strongest part of the cigar tobacco leaf of the plant aged eight years. It is a very charismatic cigar, has a lot of personality, definitely for the experienced cigar connoisseur. Made down in the uh, Dominican Republic at Tabacalera La Palma by Hochi Blanco. It is a collaboration between Hochi and Rafael Nodal, Hank Bischoff of Aging Room Cigars and Boutique Blends, and they have done a magnificent job with their aging room, their swag, just some great cigars. In fact, so good that they are back-ordered on the swag black. And in fact, Rafael said, General, I am so back-ordered. I've got just enough for your Cigar Dave Officers Club, only for you would I give up sending these to the stores to send these to your Officers Club members. I have pulled out the Robusto, Five inches in length, 54 ring gauge, about an $8 suggested retail cigar. Very nice, a lot of power, beautiful dark wrapper. It's got two bands on it. It says black on the foot of the cigar. That's what I will enjoy today from the Sun and Fun International Fly and Expo, the Swag Black by Aging Room and Boutique Blends. Cigar altering and highly sharpened leaf exposing device. Well, I definitely got a couple of looks as I was getting ready to pull out my self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine, which I have in my hand, which will do a wonderful job on my swag black. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. And you should see the looks I'm getting on the flight line as I've got my Cigar Dave signature R&D. You call this the grenade big tank, all black with a silver uh, flame area. Jumps out about four inches. You can barely see it in the sunlight, but trust me, it is hot. It will do a great job on my swag black. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Perfect cut, as always. Every so often, you've got to adjust it just a little bit. Not a problem. Got it right the first time, and now I will take out the... My litation device, I will gently toast the foot of it. You can hear, I'll tell you what, you could mount this on the back of a plane and you would have a jet. That's how powerful this thing is. I will gently puff and rotate. Mm. Outstanding. A little windy, but not bad. Let me adjust it here. Mm. Okay. Outstanding, and now I need to prop for a comforting Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. Well, we're on the flight line. There is no alcohol on the flight line. Eight hours bottle to throttle. It's hot. It's warm. It's humid on this spring floor today at the Sun and Fun Air uh, Expo. So what did I pass that is now my tradition? Freshly made lemonade. I'll never forget Steve Martin did a bit where he said, I can just see Elvis Presley. Everything he did sounded cool. Elvis ordering lemonade. I'll have a lemonade. Lemonade, that cool, refreshing drink. And it is cool and refreshing. Lemon squeezed, whole lemon, water. I put a little natural stevia, and we mm, are good to go. Actually, goes nicely with my swag black. We will continue front and center as we enjoy flight maneuvers at the Sun and Fun International Flying and Expo, Lakeland, Florida. 
April selection for the Cigar Dave Officers Club is the Gurkha 125th Anniversary Cigar. This medium-bodied stick encompasses a very smooth and complex taste profile with flavorful notes of rich tobacco and subtle hints of sweet spice, vanilla, and chestnut. The Gurkha 125th Anniversary Edition Cigar is a perfect smoke for any occasion. It's easy to join the Officers Club to have these cigars shipped directly to you. Just log on to CigarDave.com. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. The brand new Cigar Dave mobile app for both iPhone and Android devices is finally out. If you go right now, either to the iTunes store or the Google Play store, search for Cigar Dave and download our brand new app. It allows you to listen to the show live on your mobile device. You can listen to all of our podcasts. The last 10 podcasts are always available. Cigar Dave Daily Briefings. Additionally, it gives you direct access within the app to our Twitter page, our Facebook page. We also have the ability for you to call the show during the show right from the app, as well as send me a text message and an email. We also put in a couple of bonus items. You can get a weather uh, uh, alert as well as an alarm clock. It is the brand new Cigar Dave mobile app. You can listen to the Cigar Dave show anytime any place, anywhere. Go right now to the iTunes Store or Google Play Store and download the brand new Cigar Dave mobile app. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. Broadcasting from the annual Sun and Fun International Fly-In and Expo in Lakeland, Florida, it's America's Alpha Aviator, Cigar Dave. And we welcome you back on the flight line. A very, very pleasant day here in Lakeland, Florida, Lakeland Lindner International Airport, about midway between the cigar city of Tampa and Orlando, joining us. A very well-known name in aviation circles, Jack Pelton, the chairman and CEO of the EAA, the Experimental 
Aviation Association. They uh, host and put on the largest air show, I believe, in the world, and that is the Air Venture at Oshkosh, Wisconsin in July. Jack, welcome to the Cigar Dave Show. We just handed you some great cigars to enjoy tonight. Yeah, thank you, uh, Cigar Dave. I'll tell you, this is a nice assortment I'd make for a after a long day at the show, a nice way to wind down. Nothing like a great flight, and when you're done flying, a, a nice cigar and a libation. Got to wait till after, though. Yeah, I was going to say, and i got to figure out what the right pairing is. Is it going to be... Well, let's see. We've got some Rocky Patel Vintage 99s mm -hmm. and some Brickhouse. Uh, what do we have? A Brickhouse, and so we've got an Oliva, Oliva Siri yeah. V. So I would say on the Rocky Patels, I would probably do a uh, milder-bodied uh, Scotch. And then in terms of the Oliva... Uh, definitely, I, listen, you can never go wrong with Gentleman Jack any time of day or night. <laughs> There you go. Except when you're flying, within yeah. 10 hours of flying. So an, I, a nice, well-aged McAllen tonight. That would be good, yeah. too. Exactly. So, Jack, you are well-known in the uh, aviation circles. Uh, very active, obviously, in not only the organization of EAA, but let's talk about your background. I first came across your name when you were the CEO of an aircraft, a little small aircraft company known as Cessna. Been around for a while. Yeah, and actually, you know, I started my aviation career at Douglas Aircraft in Long Beach, California. I never knew that. I spent 22 years there uh, in engineering and flight test. Uh, left when, when Boeing bought them. That's, but so really, I've, that's all I've done is aviation. And, and actually, I'm very... Uh, kind of coming around full circle in that I was introduced to aviation through my dad, who was a member of EA Chapter 1 in Flaybob, California. Flaybob, California. Yes. That's a is, unique name. It's a unique name. It's down in Southern California. but uh, Chapter 1. Chapter 1. I thought yeah. Chapter 1 would have been in Oshkosh, where it all began. You know, you, you would have thought that, but Paul Poberezny, when he founded the organization, one of his very close friends was Ray Stitz that created the fabric covering system sure. called Stitz. And uh, Ray was given the honor of, of having Chapter 1 at that airport. Um, so I've, I've been around aviation my entire life. And as you know, the youngest of four, it bit me and said, this is all I want to do. I want to fly and be involved in aviation any way I possibly can. And, you know, I've been blessed, and that's all I've done. <laughs> well, you talk about the Douglas Aircraft. A uh, good friend of mine, Captain Eric Jordan, Captain uh, Cy Emerus, both uh, very well-known pilots at U.S. Air, now American uh, captain Sai retired as the number two seniority captain at U.S. Air. Started flying the DC-3, was the first guy trained and checked everybody else out on the A330. The plane they loved to fly most, won't come as a surprise, the DC-9. DC-9. And, and I entered the company at the end of the 9 era. Um, actually worked on the last, last airplane. And then we were transitioning to the MD-80, which was the, the stretched and revised version of the DC-9. It's essentially the right. same airplane. And... and Stayed on the 80 program, the 90 program, the MD-95, which became the 717. It was the last right. program I was involved in from a certification standpoint. Very comfortable airplane. I remember AirTran had a lot of them. Yeah, there was a Pilots launch customer. Like yeah. yeah. So then you got over to Cessna, and you ran Cessna for how many years? Ooh, about 12. Yeah. 12 years. And, and really Went over originally the just engineering and flight test was what way. Didn't realize that. Yeah, in the first couple of years, uh, I brought the Garmin G1000 product into Sure. The, the light single line and then introduce the Mustang and the CJ3 and some other Which are projects. some personal jets and smaller yeah. jets. And what's interesting is, you know, you talk to people. I mean, I learned to fly in a Cessna 152. And uh, at the time, as soon as I got my private license, I said, I will never again fly in a Cessna 152. <laughs> Two-seater, lawnmower engine. Mm -hmm. I remember when I went on my solo and I didn't have the my flight instructor next to me. I thought I was flying on a rocket because it just flew so much differently. But a great training airplane, the Cesta 172s, 182s, now the Citation Jets. And really, it just shows you that the importance of having something for everyone. Because the guy that starts off in a two- or four-seat trainer 
could eventually become a CEO of a company buying a corporate jet or maybe a, uh, a, a corporate uh, pilot. You never know. You should have been running marketing at Cessna. That's the exact story that we lived on from a brand standpoint is you'd get the guy that would come in and his boss was wanting to buy a Citation 10 he was thinking, or thinking about buying a new business jet. And his pilot in his flight department would steer them towards what they grew up in, which was right. the brand of Cessna and learning to fly in a Cessna. We had, we had those stories told day in and day out of people who were buying our products. It's interesting because I remember talking to a uh, Citation 10 captain um, where my uh, office and I keep my plane, and I said, what's this thing like to fly? And he looked at me, honest to God quote, and I've heard this from hundreds of pilots, a Cessna's, a Cessna's, a Cessna. Flies the same like a 172. Easy to handle, easy to operate. You can fly that, you can fly this. I have thousands of hours in a 10, and he's right. Except the only special thing is when you're going in the sky and you see the airliners out on the horizon, and you go right by. Right past. That's yeah. a very fast. How fast is that airplane? Mach, That's the fastest. It's Mach 9.2. Which is? Uh, uh, Eight-tenths of a, off a speed of sound. That's yeah. unbelievable. So that it's, is you incredible. Know, close to 600 miles an hour. Now, you made the transition, uh, Jack, from... I retired from Cessna. I know you did. You yeah. retired. You, and you, you I, retired, and you were basically just kind of doing some flying. You got, what, four airplanes yourself? Yeah, some antique airplanes and some other. No, my goal was to doing a little bit of volunteer work and enjoy the Florida Keys and enjoy uh, golfing and, and a lot of other hobbies and interests and giving my time back to my wife since you can imagine when I was running Cessna, it was gone right. all the time. And I got, right after I retired, I got involved with, they asked me to join the EA board. And I thought, well, I'm going to be up there every year anyways during that week, so why not go volunteer my time? And they had some leadership issues, and they asked me, they said, well, you're retired, no nothing to do. Why don't you help us reorganize? Weren't you the chairman of the board at the time? I was. Right. Um, I was in that role for about 60 days. And that's really, that's not a full-time position. <laughs> no. That's a volunteer. It's, volunteer. it's a nonprofit organization. And it's about four times a year you meet. And, and so I had just joined. They just made me chairman. They said, now you got to go clean the thing up and make some management changes and do some other things. I said, well, I didn't, that's not exactly what I signed up to do. And it kind of sucked me in over the first two or three years of volunteering as a CEO. What's interesting is uh, two men operated the EAA, the Experimental Aviation Association, and the, the, the slogan is the spirit of aviation. We'll talk about their mission in just a minute. But it was Paul Pabaresny that founded it, mm -hmm. and then his son Tom, and I think combined they ran it for, what, 50 years? Yeah, about that, yeah. Okay, and then they had somebody brought in, I think, from the outside, only a short time. Didn't yeah, Tom, Tom was trying to retire, and they were trying to transition out, and they brought somebody in, and it just did not work out. Right. And so they, uh, they asked me to step in and see if I could find somebody to run it. And you did, while. yourself. I did it as a volunteer for a while and said, okay, my time is up. I want to go back to the Keys. And uh, they asked me if I'd stay and continue on. And I said, as long as you know it's working now and this is the t amount of time I'll put into it, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And as long as you don't have to live in Oshkosh between mid-December and around <laughs> mid-early uh, March. Yeah, winter's a little rough up a there. A little? <laughs> I'm from Buffalo. It makes Buffalo look like Miami. <laughs> Jack Pelton, our guest, he is the uh, chairman and CEO of the uh, EAA, the Experimental Aviation Association. Jack, what does EAA do? Well, EAA started initially as, as being a group that created the regulatory environment that allowed somebody to build their own airplane in their garage or their basement and fly it. So they, they changed the whole world relative to the, the FAA's perception and regulatory approach to it. So that created a whole new space in aviation as we know it today. Then it expanded to be really all things to aviation as far as vintage, warbirds, ultralights, home-builts, 
the big tent for all of aviation, recreational sport, general aviation, all of those categories of airplanes to play in. Um, we do a lot of grassroots advocacy work. We're not Washington Beltway lobbyists. Uh, it's, it's just good old-fashioned relationships with the FAA and with the elected officials. And our big push is to try to get the youth into aviation. So 25 years ago, uh, we created a program called the Young Eagles Program, and that's where members of EA volunteer their time in airplanes to give young kids uh, their first flights. And that has been uh, a huge emphasis and focus for us. We have now flown over two million young kids uh, who have given them their first flight experience, and now we've, our focus is on now how do we create aviation academies, scholarships, uh, just ways to keep individual young kids in aviation to hopefully it'll be their lifelong passion as it is for all of us. Well, beginning of this hour, we had uh, Lights Leanhouse, the uh, CEO of Sun and mm -hmm. Fun, and uh, he was telling us about their academy here and what they're doing with kids, and it really is remarkable, and the profits go towards the education of kids, and, and when you can get them in aviation, number one, you give them a great hobby, a great passion. It keeps them on the straight and level. It does. And, uh, and, and they end up, uh, many of them get careers in aviation, which is uh, something that uh, right now all the airlines and, uh, and, and companies really need. They need good people uh, that they can hire, and the program is excellent, and it starts really in your youth. I know, I'm sure you said uh, your dad was uh, chapter one. Chapter one. He taught you, gave you the flying yeah, bug. And he was a uh, recreational pilot. He wasn't a professional pilot. He flew in the Army Air Corps. Um, he learned to fly. And, that, and he wanted to be a professional pilot, but elected to go to dental school instead when he got out. There you go. Yeah. And it's funny because my dad uh, is a surgeon and would, as a kid, we would go out to the Buffalo Airport where I grew up and uh, we would have a convertible. I was maybe three, four, five years old and he would you know, lift me up and we'd watch the airplanes take off and land. And I always say, plane, plane, plane. And we'd say, what do you want to do? Plane, plane, plane. Let's go watch the planes. And I'm sure you can relate to this. We both know as pilots the dynamics, the physics, the science behind why airplanes fly. And I tell this to everyone. When I'm sitting waiting for takeoff at the end of a runway and I watch planes take off and land while waiting for my cue, I'm still amazed. I know why they fly, and I'm still amazed today uh, just sitting there watching. So there's something very special about aviation, and there's a great quote that I'll pull out later uh, that, that uh, I, will, I will bring out that I'm sure you can relate to. But what other programs, the EAA, tell us what else they do in addition to the uh, Air Venture, because that's a very big, the Air Venture is huge. Yeah, Air, Air Venture is the, the once a year, it started out as what we referred to as the, the convention for EA, where members could come to this convention. And it has just grown into the largest aviation event in the United States and probably in the world. Uh, for one week in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, there's 560,000 people show up, 40,000 40, people come and just camp. And then we have about 15,000 airplanes that come and go on a, on a daily basis. And then it's all things aviation on the ground. So if it's exhibits, lectures, forms, uh, educational opportunities, hands-on where you can learn to weld or cover a wing. It's got stuff for kids. Took my grandson for the first time. He's, he was eight. Uh, we have a thing called Kid Venture where they go through these different stations and they change the brakes on an airplane, they pull a rivet, and when they're done, they get a certificate, and they get two hours of credit towards their A&P certificate at any a certified A&P Which is airframe and power plant, power plant for people that yeah. be a mechanic. And so here's this eight-year-old kid running around saying, Papa, look, I got my first two hours of college credit. I could be an aviation mechanic. And, it, and it, for him, it was 
that, you know, getting them off the video games and the other stuff and the hands-on and the intrigue, like you said, of how does it fly and why does right. it fly? And the interaction with other people, I think, is very, very important. Very. Jack, I would be the only person that would go through that program that would probably fail. <laughs> Guaranteed. You don't want me touching anything on an airplane. I'll leave that to the pros. Jack Pelton, our guest, the chairman and CEO of the EAA, the Experimental Aviation Association. Jack, that quote from Leonardo da Vinci I want to share with you. Once you have tasted flight, you will forever walk the earth with your eyes turned skyward. For there you have been, and there you will long to return. That is so appropriate. If you were to if you were to talk to my wife, she would say, "As soon as I hear the sound of an airplane going over, my head's in the sky." And she says, "That seems relatively normal." She said, "What's really bizarre is then he begins to identify make and model, <laughs> no exactly. matter what it is." And that's what I do. And people think I'm nuts. I yeah. said, "Oh yeah, that's a seven three seven seven hundred. How do you know that?" I go, "Trust me, I know it." <laughs> like. Can you see that? But there is something very, very unique about it. Now, somebody wants, uh, somebody's got either somebody listening, maybe a youngster, or maybe there's a father who wants to get his son or his daughter involved. How do they go about it? Where do they go? The, the easiest way to get involved with EAA is to, to go to our website, eaa.org, and go into the chapter section. And we have chapters that are all over the United States at various airports. And that's your local conduit NTA. So they, you know, they're operating year-round, and they're the ones that are giving the Young Eagle flights. They're the ones that are working uh, on mentor programs, whether it's building an airplane, teaching them uh, model model aviation, any of that kind of activity to keep somebody engaged in aviation. So that's the quickest and easiest way. EAA.org. EAA.org. Jack Pelton, the chairman and CEO of EAA Experimental Aviation Association. Great having you. Enjoy those cigars. I'll see you up in Oshkosh in July. Look forward to seeing you there. All right, uh, alphas and lieutenants, hour number one from the Sun and Fun International Flying and Expo on the flight line. Lakeland Linder Airport is in the annals of history. Hour number two of the Cigar Dave Show coming your way. Some great guests, including Mark Baker of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. We'll have a captain that flies the Globemaster C-17, as well as some of the uh, folks from the Airman's Ops Center at NOAA. Much more coming your way. Stand by. The Cigar Dave Show podcast is presented by Diamond Crown. Sit back, relax, pour a drink, and light up a Diamond Crown as you begin the show with the General Cigar Dave. This is CCRN, the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. The theme for the 2017 Sun and Fun International Fly-In and Expo in Lakeland, Florida, midway between the cigar city of Tampa and Orlando, is cleared to land. Well, in the first hour, we are cleared to take off, and in the second hour, we are cleared to cruise as we're enjoying some fantastic springtime Florida weather. We're around great airplanes, great aviators, and for the next hour, we have got some very special guests. We're going to be joined momentarily 
by Captain Justin Gross, who flies the C-17 Globemaster for the Air Mobility Command out at uh, Travis Air Force Base, California. We'll be talking about the hurricane hunters in this hour. Very cool flying into hurricanes. Not sure this aviator would want to do it. And we've also got Mark Baker, the CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. If you're an alpha, you got to love flight, and I do. Welcome back. Hour number two on the flight line here at uh, Lakeland Lindner uh, International Airport at the Sun and Fun International Flying and Expo. It is my pleasure to welcome to the Cigar Dave microphones, joining us from Travis Air Force Base in Fairfield, California, Captain Justin Gross, who uh, is part of the Air Mobility Command and flies the big C-17 Globemaster, which is a just a huge hunk of an airplane. That's the only way to describe it. Captain Gross, welcome to the Cigar Dave Show. Thank you for having me. Now, Captain, tell us, first of all, a little bit about yourself. I know you told me you're from the West Coast, so give me an idea. Tell our, uh, our alphas where you're from and how you got into flight. All right. I'm uh, actually an Air Force bat, so moved around a lot, born in Okinawa, but uh, from the West Coast in uh, Spokane, Washington. Um, got to the Air Force uh, actually through ROTC, and went to pilot training in Laughlin Air Force Base, Texas, and then uh, got an assignment to Travis Air Force Base flying the C-17. So wait a minute, let me get this straight. You started flying the C-17? That was well, like your second airplane? My, it's uh, really my third airplane. So um, if anyone wanted to join the Air Force and be a pilot, there's really three ways to do it, um, through the Air Force Academy, ROTC, or off the street, uh, officer training school. But everyone does after that commissioning source, whatever it may be, they all do the same path and you fly a DA-20, a little tiny airplane. It's a diamond uh, aircraft, yep. a single engine, right? Yep. So it's uh, like a little, I tell people it's a glider with a lawnmower engine. You, That's right. You get like 20 hours in that, and you jump from that to the T-6, which is a single engine turboprop uh, aircraft. It's got 1,100 horsepower. Um, you're going from a little golf cart to like a Corvette, Mustang. Um, very overpowered aircraft, and you learn the basics of flight. Um, we do formation, we do instrument flying, and we do a lot of aerobatics as well. Um, and so you fly that for six months, and then you track to a T-1 or T-6, a Learjet or a fighter bomber jet trainer. Um, I flew the T-1, so you fly for another six months, and then you go to the C-17. So it's really the, the third main aircraft that I've flown, but after about 115 hours of flying, you go to the C-17. So. Well, let's talk about that C-17 for just a moment because that is a massive airplane. In fact, I walked through earlier today, and we've got some pictures that we're posting at CigarDave.com as well as social media, and I walked up through the back where basically you load tanks, you load uh, presidential limousines, you can load yep. helicopters, you can load troops, and uh, this thing is just massive, and it's just like one giant cavern is the best way to describe it and then you have your flight deck up front i have been in many airplanes but i've never been in a plane like that where there's nothing and by the way the seats not exactly international first class sleeper seats they're pretty no. tough no they're just uh, <laughs> little sidewall seats that will fold down but the cargo compartment's designed to carry the most uh the most volume and most weight uh, we carry 180,000 pounds of cargo so like you said anything from tanks boats satellites um, pallets, troops. I've carried Marine One, presidential limos, Secret Service trucks, and all sorts of things. So, um, and it can also do a lot of humanitarian missions. So we carry uh, humanitarian supplies, aeromedical evacuation. So you can actually set up a hospital in the back and evacuate troops that have been injured in battle, so that they get to life-saving care in Europe or other more developed countries. 
Um, so it's a variety of missions that you can do, strategic and tactical airlifts. So. so basically, the Air Mobility Command, whatever, you're dispatched from Travis Air Force Base in California, anywhere around the globe. Right, so we'll normally get a mission. Um, we'll come down to Travis Air Force Base and it will get uh, sent to the 21st Airlift Squadron, which is our C-17 squadron, and we'll go um, out toward the Pacific or to Europe. And along that trip, they're generally about a week long, we'll, we'll take cargo or whatever the, the, the mission requirements are to s locations downrange or um, to other countries. And we'll normally pick things up and bring them back, but really, you go out with a certain frag mission, but anything can happen, you get retasked. Well, actually, one of the cooler missions I flew once, we were coming back from Bennett, Iraq, and then we came to Germany, and we were going to fly back the next day. But um, the morning we alerted and went to our jet, we found out that we were actually going to go to Brussels. And if you remember, about a year and a half ago, there was a terrorist bombing Correct. in the airport right. in Brussels, and there was a U.S. Uh, military family that got badly injured and burned in, right. that, in that attack. And we got recut to fly to Brussels, so we went to Brussels and turn the back of our C-17 into a flying, essentially, um, critical care emergency room. And we picked up an Army burn team and an aeromedical evacuation critical care team and flew direct from Brussels to Houston so we could take that family to a hospital in Houston. So Americans that were over, civilians? Actually, this is an Air Force family. But oh, it's an Air Force family. Yep, okay. an, um, uh, Air Force uh, colonel serving with his family in Germany um, happened to be on vacation in Brussels and was, were at the hospital, or the uh, air there when that bomb went off. So. And you also do civilian missions as well, depending on, on, the, right. on what's called for. Yep, uh, we do non-combatant evacuations. So um, there was a great picture floating around the internet if you if you can find it. It's a C-17 and it's strapped down with like 300 civilians out of the Philippines um, as they're evacuating them from massive landslides that are going on. Um, we do all sorts of like those military missions, but also humanitarian missions. So we flew into Haiti after the most recent uh, hurricane, bringing supplies, also like FEMA and other d disaster relief workers there trying to help the people that were stricken by that hurricane. Captain Justin Gross of the Air Mobility Command, a uh, captain on the Boeing C-17 Globemaster for the U.S. Air Force based at Travis uh, Air Force Base in California. Our guest here on the flight line at the Sun and Fun International Flying and Expo. Captain Gross, let me ask you this. Uh, people, many, we were just talking about some civilian missions. Everybody thinks our military is just for battle, but we really do a lot of humanitarian missions, which is really one of the things I think that gets overlooked by many people not only in the country but around the world that there's a uh, earthquake or there's some sort of humanitarian need it's the united states and our military that usually is the first one to assist oh absolutely um and that's not just the c-17 um really any uh cargo or tanker aircraft in the u.s military if there's a natural disaster um will get tasked to support these humanitarian efforts whether um you know it's a country that's very friendly with the u.s or maybe one that we don't uh have the best relationship with it doesn't matter when there's when there's natural disaster and human suffering the air force will step in to to do what they can to help provide relief to that country and so we just talked about haiti but uh the tsunami in japan or um tsunami down uh, in malaysia i'm actually so my my father was in the air force and flew kc-135s which is a tanker aircraft sure, we got uh, that were based at mcdill still are right and even that tanker aircraft can carry cargo and um, when we were stationed in Japan, he flew multiple humanitarian missions out to the South Pacific whenever there would be a tsunami or a hurricane or anything like that. So Never realized that. So you learned to fly in the Air Force. I did. I did. I learned to fly in the Air Force. You never had any flight lessons before. You basically came in off the street, and you went from being a uh, student pilot 
to flying the Globemaster C-17 in how long of a time? Um, it's about two years from the very beginning, starting pilot training to being signed off as a co-pilot. Uh, you can fly missions for the C-17, um, but that also includes uh, survival training and stuff, but about two-year process. Now, that is a massive airplane, but it's got huge wings, big engine. The, the wing is on the, it's a high wing, Correct. which allows you to get in, I'm sure, to some more difficult runway environments. Yep. Uh, what is the, how, how much takeoff room do you need? How, much, uh, uh, how many feet of runway do you need to get yeah. up and land? That's a, a good question. Um, C-17, because it's very overpowered and has very big brakes, um, can operate in runways as small as 3,500 feet by 90 feet. Wow. So it could be austere environments, uh, dirt, um, unpaved gravel, just steel plates out there over something. Um, it was designed to do tactical airlift, so going into high-threat environments and landing in a short distance and being able to take off again and deliver the cargo to troops in the front lines. I so. mean, it's a massive airplane, and, and people will see this. What is the, the uh, gross weight, and what's the maximum weight with cargo? So the empty weight is 285,000 pounds, and the max takeoff and landing weight actually is 585,000 pounds. That is incredible. You can carry more than uh, just double your weight. Or actually, yeah. just about 1.5 times your weight. Right, 300,000 pounds of That's stuff. incredible. Yep. That, 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 uh, you can get some uh, the presidential limousines and some <laughs> helicopters. That'll do it. Plus yeah. some snacks for you up in the ca uh, cockpit. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Now, sure. uh, tell us, how do you like flying that airplane? The C-17 is a blast to fly. It's really, it's, um, it's a big airplane. Uh, we like to say she's, she's a large girl. She's a big girl, but she dances like a little girl. She's got big big um, flight control surfaces. It's all fly-by-wire, hydraulically actuated flight controls, so it rolls quickly. Um, it's one of the most fun things we do. We fly low levels at 300 AGL at anywhere from around 310 to 330 knots. Wow, fast. So, yep, at Travis we don't do the airdrop mission, but other bases we do the airdrop mission. So in flight you're flying, you open up the doors and kick out troops or cargo. We do assault landings, very steep approaches, and it's just an overall great mission, but not only that, it's a fun airplane to fly. So what you're saying is the uh, Boeing Globemaster C-17 is like, a, well, it's got a big ass, but great legs. Exactly. Because it can haul, exactly. but uh, it's it's pretty wide. The girth is pretty wide. It's wide. It, it really is an amazing-looking plane, and uh, I'm sure it must be cool to fly, and we're going to come over afterward, take some pictures with you in the cockpit. Big line to get in yesterday, but I, I had a chance to walk around, and I will uh, look forward to doing that. And by the way, does that have glass cockpit in there? Is it all yep. state-of-the-art? It's all glass cockpit, um, fly-by-wire. We only need two pilots and one loadmaster to operate the aircraft. Um, no navigator, no flight engineering re required. It's all GPS, uh, modern aircraft. Outstanding. Well, Captain Justin Gross, we appreciate you joining us uh, today here at the Sun and Fun Flying and Expo on the flight line. Captain Justin Gross, captain of the Globemaster C-17 with the Air Mobility Command based out at Travis Air Force Base in Fairfield, California. Captain, we appreciate you joining us and uh, look forward to seeing you later at the airplane. All right, thanks for having me. All right, uh, Alphas and Lieutenants, we have much more coming your way from the Sun and Fun Flying and Expo here in Lakeland, Florida. When we come back, we'll be talking about the NOAA Aircraft Operations Fleet as well as the Hurricane Hunters. We're about to get into hurricane season, and these airplanes do some amazing things. Got a great program for you. We've also got Mark Baker, the CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Wherever you are, whether it's on a flight line, whether it's outside by your grill, have that cigar lit, have your libation, have your feet propped 
propped up and enjoy some great spring weather, at least here in the cigar uh, or the sunshine state of Florida where it's in the mid-80s. We will continue from the flight line around the corner. Download the Cigar Dave mobile app for Android, Kindle, and iOS so you can listen to the general anytime, anywhere. The Cigar Dave mobile app is presented by Diamond Crown. Search Cigar Dave in the App Store today. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. The brand new Cigar Dave mobile app for both iPhone and Android devices is finally out. If you go right now, either to the iTunes Store or the Google Play Store, search for Cigar Dave and download our brand new app. It allows you to listen to the show live on your mobile device. You can listen to all of our podcasts. The last 10 podcasts are always available. Cigar Dave Daily Briefings. Additionally, it gives you direct access within the app to our Twitter page, our Facebook page. We also have the ability for you to call the show during the show right from the app, as well as send me a text message and an email. We also put in a couple of bonus items. You can get a weather uh, uh, alert as well as an alarm clock. It is the brand-new Cigar Dave mobile app. You can listen to the Cigar Dave show anytime any place, anywhere. Go right now to the iTunes Store or Google Play Store and download the brand new Cigar Dave mobile app. Broadcasting from Cockpit 1A in the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association tent at Sun and Fun International Fly-In and Expo in Lakeland, Florida. Here's your five-star pilot, Cigar Dave. As a kid growing up with a love of aviation, I remember that we used to call the flight area the where the captain and the co-pilot sat, flight officers, the cockpit. And somewhere along the line, it became politically incorrect. They had to change it to flight deck. So it's great to hear, of course, here on the Cigar Dave Show, we're not politically correct. Get in that cockpit and fly that bird. And that is exactly what we love to do. And we are joined by a a special guest, somebody that uh, over the next six months is going to be very busy as we get into hurricane season starting uh, June 1st. Joining us now, the public affairs officer for the NOAA Aircraft Operations Center, Lieutenant J.G., junior grade Billy Bonner. Lieutenant J.G., Billy, welcome. 
Thank you, Cigar Dave. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. I've got to tell you, you are looking very dapper in your Noah Blues. I've got to take a picture of this right now. Because yes, sir. You are looking very well. Let's see if I can get there. we go. You're looking very sharp, and uh, it is hotter than hell right now. It's about 85, 88 degrees here on the flight line. And that's got to be pretty warm. That thing doesn't look like it breathes. No, sir. This is a uh, Nomex flight suit that we wear typically when we're on the airplane. And I fly a pressurized aircraft, small uh, twin turbo commander. So that airplane, as soon as we shut the door, it, uh, it heats up pretty quickly down in uh, South Florida. No doubt about it. It is extremely warm this time of year. So, Lieutenant uh, J.G. Bonner, tell us about your background, <laughs> where you're from, how you got with NOAA. Sure. I uh, grew up in South Alabama, and uh, from there I had – I. As a young child, as you talked about, I had a love for aviation as soon as I set foot in my first commercial airliner. From there, I knew I wanted to fly airplanes. It just getting to that point was the problem. So uh, my parents pushed me to go to college, finished up college at Jacksonville State University in Jacksonville, Alabama. From there, uh, I applied for the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's Commissioned Officer Corps, which is the seventh uniformed service in the United States. Very small. There are only 321 officers. That's a, a, a very not well-known secret. No, sir. It's uh, A lot of people don't know about us uh, just because we're very small. And you, you name off the, the, the five armed services, and then you get to the other two, the U.S. Public Health Service and the NOAA Commission Officer Corps. We are the last ones, and we are basically what we do is we provide a platform safe and effectively for scientists to go out and conduct scientific missions, whether that's on a ship, one of a NOAA's 14 different ships, or one of our nine aircraft that we have at the op uh, Aircraft Operations Center. Now, as we get into hurricane season, many people are familiar, of course, with the hurricane hunters that fly into the hurricanes and in the eye. That's some pretty rough flying. Yes, sir. Those are our P3s. They typically do that mission, and what they do is they go out and they penetrate the hurricane. And so what they want to do is they want to find that center low pressure. If they can find the lowest pressure, that's where we say the eye is at that time. And that's where how we track the hurricane, right? And uh, the only way out of the, the eye of the, the hurricane is to go back through the eye wall. And that's where they encounter uh, sometimes severe turbulence and things like that. Uh, but we are highly sometimes, trained. Wait, wait, sometimes? Sometimes they do. <laughs> I would say all the time. That's a rough <laughs> ride. What's it like being in there, going through that eye and going back out again? Well, I have actually not flown in the P-3. Uh, like I said, I fly the, the Turbo Commander. Right. But I've talked to other pilots, and, and they, uh, they say it's a pretty rough ride. Now, what, I, what they have told me is... They prefer to fly in Category 5-style storms because those storms are very well developed. There are not a lot of convection going on, right. and uh, they can take a look at the radar, and they're like, they know exactly what, what the hurricane is doing. Now, those rapid intensifying hurricanes, when you have the tropical storm, tropical depressions, uh, there's a lot of convective activity going on there, and they're not really sure what they might encounter. Now, those planes are specially fortified, correct? No, sir. Those are just, really? Yes, sir. Those are just P-3s that came from the Navy. Now, we put a W in front of it, so it's a WP-3. Wait, wait, it. just putting a letter makes it uh, <laughs> to go through heavy turbulence like that. No wing modifications, no, no sir. engine modifications. That's incredible. Not at all. That's incredible. And a lot of training, I'm sure, goes into these a, pilots. A lot of training. So when you come into NOAA and you want to fly hurricane hunters, you don't fly hurricane hunters right out of the box. So what I've done is I went to Fly Safety International, got my uh, pilot's license all out there. So you come out with a multi-engine commercial rating uh, with your instrument ratings and everything. You are typically assigned to the de Havilland Twin Otter. So I was assigned to the Twin Otter for about a year, and then uh, they moved me over into our Gulfstream Turbo Commander. So I've been flying it for about a year and a half now. Now, give us the uh, airplanes that are in the uh, complement of the uh, uh, NOAA Aircraft Operations Fleet. Sure. So we have nine different aircraft, five types. Uh, we have two WP-3 Orions, which do the hurricane hunting. 
We have a Gulfstream G4 SP, and that aircraft does our high-altitude uh, hurricane reconnaissance and research. They also do a multitude of other atmospheric research for that aircraft. The aircraft that we have here out on the ramp as a static display is our King Air CER. Uh, that aircraft does a multitude of missions from emergency response after hurricanes or some type of natural disaster to coastal mapping. The aircraft that I fly is the Gulfstream Turbo Commander. We do snow survey, water, um, soil moisture analysis. Uh, we also do two months out of the year, GRAV-D, where we're remapping the vertical datum for the United States. The other four aircraft that we have are de Havilland Twin Otters, and those are our workhorses. Those aircraft fly all year round doing a multitude of different projects from marine mammal surveys to atmospheric research and coastal mapping or flying down low off the Aleutian chain looking at seals. Well, you serve a very important mission because uh, hurricane and storm tracking has changed dramatically because of the NOAA aircraft uh, operations fleet and all the pilots in it. Yes, sir. And I know as we get close living in Florida, we rely on you, and you're moving from McDill Air Force Base here to Lakeland, right where the Sun and Fun Air Show is. So yes, sir. I know you'll have a good move, and I'm going to come out and visit you Absolutely. out here in Lakeland. Lieutenant J.G. Billy Bonner, the Public Affairs Officer, NOAA Aircraft Operations Center. The Cigar Dave Officers Club selection this month is the Gurkha 125th Anniversary Cigar. This medium-bodied stick is made in honor of its 125th anniversary. This Gurkha cigar features an oily Cubra Brazilian Habano wrapper accompanied by an Ecuadorian Habano binder and a complex combination of Nicaraguan, Brazilian, and Dominican fillers. Not a member of the Officers Club? Get premium cigars shipped directly to you every month by signing up today at Cigar Dave.com. Just a spectacular day of weather here on the flight line at the Sun and Fun Flying and Expo. Few important items. If you are a member of my officers club, the April 2017 selection is the Gurkha. 125th anniversary cigar. This is a beautiful stick, complex, spicy, rich, kind of cigar you can really sink your teeth into. A lot of flavor, medium to full-bodied. The Gurkha 125th anniversary coming your way. If you're not a member of my officers club, go to CigarDave.com right now and join. The great legendary comedian, greatest of all time as far as I'm concerned, Don Rickles passed away at age 90 this week. Next week, I'll do an appropriate tribute to him when we have more time on the show. Favorite of all time, may Don rest in peace. Lastly, big announcement next week on the show regarding the date and location of the Cigar Dave Alpha Pleasure Fest on the water from the Buffalo, New York Theater of Operations. Enjoy the latest and greatest cigars shipped directly to you. Join the Cigar Dave Officers Club now, and you'll receive three premium cigars every month. Membership is just $22.95, including shipping and handling. Join by going to CigarDave.com now. That's CigarDave.com. Click on Officers Club. Make sure your seatbelts are securely fastened as we take to the skies on the Cigar Dave Show. 
from the Sun and Fun International Expo in Lakeland, Florida, it's America's Alpha Pilot, Cigar Dave. Well, this is an appropriate song, Learning to Fly, and there are many people that love aviation, want to learn to fly, that are here attending Sun and Fun, the International Flying and Expo, Lakeland, Florida, right between Tampa and Orlando. And I remember even before I learned to fly, I became a member of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association so I could feel like I was a pilot and got their magazine and all their other materials. That was before the Internet. And uh, I want to welcome Mark Baker, the president and CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, to our Cigar Dave uh, microphones. And, Mark, thank you so much for your kind hospitality, allowing us to broadcast front and center once again this year. Well, thanks, Dave. And thanks for coming out to our tent. Uh, it's a great day here in aviation. A little warm today, but it's going to cool off. It's going to be a great weekend. Absolutely. And I have to tell you that uh, there's really no bad time. Even when the weather's too hot, it's still better to be here than in the office or anywhere else when you can be around fellow pilots and, and aviation enthusiasts. Tell us, Mark, about the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. How long has it been around? What does it do? Who do they represent? Well, thanks, Dave. You know, it's, a, it's one of the great organizations. And like you, I joined it uh, when my first uh, instructor said, before I sold it, you have to sign up for uh, AOP. I didn't even know what it was in the 70s. And I did, and I've been a member ever since. And what a great uh, organization. And I've learned uh, to the respect that it deserves and it's built because it serves its members since 1939. Uh, we'll be 78 years old this coming May, uh, serving our members with the same institution that the five guys that sat around the table in Wingsfield said, hey, let's, let's talk about safety, let's talk about access, let's make sure we don't get over-regulated, think about World War II on the eve and thinking that the military should be flying here and there and the, certainly the uh, airlines were starting to get started and what was but this little thing called general aviation. There's only 10,000 privately owned airplanes in 1939 and they put together an institution that has per persevered to protect, grow, and really support general aviation un unlike anywhere else in the world. And how many members do you have now? Over 300,000 members. That's just here in the U.S. We have over 80 affiliates around the, around the world that are trying to learn for how, how does this organization in the U.S. do such a great job at protecting the access to the airspace and allow people to jump on an aircraft and leave from Florida and go to Seattle without ever talking to anybody. Well, government and legislative, I know we'll get to because that never ends. It'll be here <laughs> in 50 years, 100 years. If you have people in Washington, there's always going to be issues. Let's talk about specifically somebody signs up, they want to get in aviation. What do they get uh, for their... And the membership is pretty reasonable. It's yeah, $69, $69 for an annual membership. Uh, of course, you can get a lifetime membership and might as well do that. Get into... I wish I would have done that in the first place. Right. Uh, <laughs> but the idea that you uh, now have access to our medical services, you understand uh, from, from a... You know, if you want to buy an aircraft, want to get insured, want to get some life insurance, all those kinds of benefits, plus the great magazine that's the most well-read aviation magazine in the world. And on top of the representation you get out of AOPA in either the state houses or the federal level to get things done or protect things from getting done that would hurt aviation. When I joined, I'm trying to remember what year I joined. It was while I was in college, so I think it was, that was before that, I think high school. So it was probably around 1980, 81. There was no internet. Now the resources available at AOPA.org are incredible. That's right. Of course, we have AOPA Live that gets broadcast every Thursday, comes out, and, and you see Tom Haynes and Melissa talk about the current affairs of the week, uh, available to everybody. We have flight planning systems online. You can go and get a quote for your insurance, your financing for your aircraft. All that stuff's available online. But we're always standing by with a 1-800 number to be able to answer your calls. So uh, somebody listening right now said, you know, I've always had the itch to learn how to fly. 
but I have no idea where to start. I don't know how much. I don't have any idea. Can they call AOPA and can you guide them? Sure can. You know, you go on our website and you know, get your, your town or your zip code and start identifying where you might want to go to learn how to fly. And then, of course, you can always call in and say, well, here's what I've been thinking about. You know, here's what kind of my budget. We can even help finance your, uh, your aviation training if you like. It's available to, uh, through the AOPA financing. Because that is a big cost and, and it discourages many people from training and that's really a shame. But there are ways that you can fly to minimize the cost with flight groups and clubs and, and joint ownership. And I know that flight clubs are pretty big now in many parts and you've encouraged a lot of that. That's right, we've opened uh, in the last year over 25 brand new flying clubs around the country. And we're always working with flying clubs to help them finance another airplane or insurance another, insure another aircraft. And you know, in the on our website today, there are over 800 flying clubs. Why that's important to people is it's a great way to meet people that have the same general interests. They belong to these clubs in many cases for a few hundred dollars a month or a hundred dollars a month to stay in, and hundred dollars an hour or something less to fly an airplane with no capital tied up in some cases. Whatever kind of club you want, they may have a traveling airplane or just a fun airplane, or may have one of each. And having 800 of those around the country is a way that you could fly for a couple three thousand dollars a year, total, all in, gas and everything. Uh, and that's a lot of fun for a couple thousand bucks. And you've got the uh, benefit of having other experienced pilots right. that can guide you and mentor you, which I think is very important. And I know you do a lot of fly-ins across the country. You travel extensively, and you've got one coming up in the Cigar City of Tampa in October. That's right. We'll be over at the Peter tonight. Great uh, airport. Yeah, great airport. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun inviting everybody out to the public. You know, these fly-ins that we've been having around the country, we've, we've seen over 45,000 people now come to these fly-ins, and uh, we have four of them this year, one in Camarillo, California coming up, uh, Peter Knight, one in Oklahoma City, and uh, one up in Groton, Connecticut uh, this year. So we have access for everybody to come out and, and spend a, a Friday afternoon, have a little party on Friday night, and back to seminars on Saturday, and free. Mark Baker, the uh, president and CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, a lot of people now, because of expense, have, don't have the resources, even though there are clubs and other ways to do it. But one of the things that we have seen an explosion of is drones, people who love aviation flying either model uh, uh, planes or drones. And now you've got something for them at the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. You've adapted to the times. That's right. You know, I think uh, as, as we grew up, David, in the, in, the, in the time, you know, we play with remote-controlled airplanes and even paper airplanes and balsa wood airplanes. Anything about aviation is good. And the idea that you get exposure and you learn about airspace, you learn about weather, winds, what it does, uh, and whether today you've got a camera mounted there and you're, you're, the bird's eye view that we all enjoy as aviators, if that's a gateway into a fixed-wing aircraft or a helicopter someday at a later time, those kind of inspiration tools I think are important to have access. And, there are some important issues that drone operators need to know about. We can help them get insurance if it's one of the things from a liability point of view, or certainly the product as well. And we can also, if they get in trouble with the FAA because you start flying too close to an airport over public space, you could get in trouble. So we offer legal services as well for the drone operators as they learn how to operate safely in the airspace. Are most of the drone pilots that are joining, are they on the commercial side or are they just on the recreational side? Most of them are on the light commercial side. You know, maybe taking pictures for real estate companies or maybe doing some crop uh, observation work because they're the ones that are using them every day. And that seems to be the, the largest play. But it certainly is getting the word out to everybody. It's interesting as I had a uh, little roof leak about a year or so ago, maybe a little bit longer. And, uh, the, you know, before you'd have to get the guys with the ladders and look. So I called uh, the roofing company that I use and he said, yeah, I'll be out. I'll check it out. I said, okay, well, what time do you need me there? Do you need it? He goes, we don't need to do anything. Just, we'll be, I go, well, what are you going to do? He said, we're going to fly our drone. 
I said, what are we going to fly the drone? You got to look. He goes, let's fly the drone. Let's see what we find. Sure enough, they were able to identify right with the drone. He gave me an entire video, all the pictures, and they were dead nuts on. <laughs> now, before, think about it, from a safety perspective, you have to have a guy come up on the ladder. You'd have to, you know, hunt and peck. You could damage the roof. Here's a guy that flew a drone, and he wasn't flying an expensive one. I think he told me it was like six, seven hundred dollars. That's right. But that's all he needed. That's right. And it has changed so many different businesses. And so drone is not necessarily a four-letter word, as long as it's flown correctly. That's correct. And it, you know, most of them now are. I think there's 600 or 650,000 folks that have taken their drone licenses. 107 class, get a certificate, say, I need to understand about airspace, because they don't want to go where they're not supposed to be, and many people don't know where their local airport even is. How far do you have to be from an airport? Three miles to stay away safe. Three nautical miles, okay? Yep. So you can't even, as a, as a recreational individual, fly at 50 feet high? Shouldn't, you know. Shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, you think about, you know, the wind, where it can take it. There's all kinds of safety zone issues, but you really don't want to be scaring somebody with a fixed-wing aircraft uh, or the tower control of either there, what's going right. on uh, in, that, in that safety zone. You can probably see that on radar, too. I mean, I've, I've flown where they say an unidentified target, uh, you know, at uh, 1 o'clock uh, showing 50 or 100 feet above, and it's been a big bird. Yeah, or a balloon. Or a balloon. That's the other thing. There's weather balloons, and down you, you've got a place down near the Keys. There's a weather balloon that really should not be there. And I had a long argument with John McCain. It is for Radio and TV Marti, which is our... Uh, broadcast service to broadcast into Cuba to celebrate freedom and promote freedom and American values. The only problem is they jam it every single day and it does nothing. And I think we spend $20 million, $30 million a year and I know that it's on a tethered balloon to what? 10,000 feet? 10,000 feet. There's a restricted space around that uh, just north of the, or just west of the Summerlin Cape on Kudjo. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I, had, I never forget this. I had the argument at the Florida Association of Broadcasters. John McCain came to speak, and he was talking about how we want to really, this is when he was running for president, we want to get closer to the Cuban people, and after he was done, I raised my hand, I said, the Cuban people love us. That's not a problem. The Cuban people don't buy all the propaganda. They love America. They know plenty of people in America. We are wasting our time, our energy, and our money, and it gets jammed every day. My friend, we have to do, if he called me my friend one more time, <laughs> I wanted, seriously, what I wanted to do to him, and and I had a, a long argument afterward with him, and I said, we're wasting time and money. And that is sitting there. And, again, that, to me, is a hazard to aviation, and it should be just eliminated, period. Maybe with uh, President Trump, who likes that red pen, eliminating <laughs> a lot of wasteful programs will take a look at that. But I know that's something, certainly, that, uh, that AOPA has been looking after as well. But well, we always want to look for safer airspace. That, that uh, cable has taken down at least one aircraft that I know of and killed uh, a couple of people. But it, I do think, uh, I hear all the time, that the military uses it for a lot of other things. Ah, okay, so the truth comes out. So it's not just for propaganda. No, huh? I think it, uh, it detects energy sources coming across the water. Energy sources, ah, okay. So Don uh, Pablo, when he's coming with a, uh, with a run from uh, the islands, we know exactly what's, what's going on. So that does make sense now. All right. Well, when you think of all the other assets they have, why do you still need a balloon? It's so low-tech <laughs> when you think about it. Mark Baker, the president and CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, will continue our conversation with him, our final and concluding segment of this special edition of the Cigar Dave Show from the flight line at the Sun and Fun International Flying and Expo comes your way next. Check out the all-new CigarDave.com. Get info on the cigars and libations the general enjoys during the show. Get recipes from the pooch pit and drink cocktails, too. You can listen to the show on our 24-7 stream or download the latest podcast to listen to anytime. Get it all at CigarDave.com. 
Okay, people, we've just been awarded the Brickhouse Ad Account. Now, this cigar was named Best Bargain Cigar of 2009 by Cigar Aficionado, got a 91 rating, plus it's the hottest cigar on the market. So, we need an award-winning slogan. He's a brick. How? What about, it's not your grandfather's cigar? Ah, it's been done. Next? How about good to the last draw? Ah, something original, people. You deserve a brick today? Now, who are you? Do you even work here? Excuse me, sir. Am I to understand that every Brickhouse cigar is built with all the flavor and quality of the premium cigars of yesteryear? Yesteryear? Really? That's right, Bixby. But yet costs around five bucks each. Indeed. Well, sir, people don't really need a slogan. They don't? No, sir. Then what do they need? Five bucks and a comfortable chair. Five bucks and a comfortable chair, genius! Meet the perfect cigar to share with friends. Brickhouse by J.C. Newman. Handmade in Nicaragua with a fine Havana Subido wrapper. Brickhouse starts out earthy and crisp and burns well-rounded and smooth. Nothing stands the test of a good time like a Brickhouse. For more, visit BrickhouseCigars.com. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar-making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. Command Center Alpha has taken to the skies today. From the annual Sun and Fun International Fly-In and Expo, your Sky Pilot of Alpha Male Pleasure, Cigar Dave. And we wrap things up from the Sun and Fun Fly-In and Expo. And another great year, great weather. And we're joined by Mark Baker, the President and CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Mark, where are you from originally? From uh, Minnesota, just north of the Minnesota. Yeah, sure, don't you know. Oh, you betcha. <laughs> great time to be there between, actually, summer is great there between July 8th and July 10th. This year it's good for the 11th, <laughs> that one day. <laughs> it, I will say this, though. I've been up to uh, Duluth, home yep. of Sears Aircraft. The people there are fantastic. Yeah. Couldn't be nicer. Cold temperature, but they're very, very warm people. Well, it's a very alive general aviation community between uh, whether they're fine farmers or they're flying with floats up to Canada, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and flying with snow skis, which I've done all of those things over the years. It's a, it is a great flying community. And tell us about your uh, background before you became the president and CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Group. Well, you know, I grew up in retail, and uh, what a good time. I call it the golden age of retail back when. Uh, in the 70s, a little local lumberyard that was uh, built by a bunch of World War II pilots, as a matter of fact, B-17 uh, Corsair guys. And I worked for those guys for 15 years while I was going to the University of Minnesota. Uh, we ultimately owned the company from a small percentage, and then we ended up selling it. Came down here to Florida, worked for Scotty's way back when, if you remember. Scotty's, sure, absolutely. They were in Winter Haven. Right. Knew them very well. That's right. Auburndale, I was a, one of their uh, head merchants and vice president of merchandising for Scotty's back in the 80s. That was, Scotty's was huge back then. That's right. And I got my first uh, 
learning of Home Depot at that point in time. I was offered the job with Home Depot at that point in time. I didn't. Went to the West Coast, worked for Home Base, which was the West Coast version of Home right. Depot. And then I did get recruited to go to work for Home Depot in the uh, early 90s as uh, one of their first officers, uh, Bernie and Arthur, ever hired from the outside. And I, they gave me the great job. And I said, what's my job? I said, uh, you're the president of the Midwest Division. Uh, how many stores are up there? None. <laughs> <laughs> so I opened up all, I became the president up there and opened up uh, about 130 stores. And out of the Chicago office, I put together all the management team and from Minnesota to Pennsylvania. And then I ultimately became the chief operating officer for, for Home Depot. Started commuting back and forth with a VTL Bonanza, then a Baron, then a Kinger, and then a Citation I bought for myself later on. Well, Bones in Atlanta, where yeah. you know well, great yes, place to have a cigar sure and a, or a steak and then a cigar back yes, in the yes. day. Right but there. Prime, you can still go have a cigar and a steak. And uh, what's a gentleman in New York that was the one of the fi guys that helped finance it who's on Ken CNBC? Langone. Ken Langone. Ken Langone. Love listening to him. Really, yeah, he's a really great dynamic personality. I know Kenny well. He's a good guy. And started from nothing. That's right. Yeah. And, and you know... Frank Borman, one of the great astronauts and sure. Randy Sturdivant Lines, was on one of the original board members for Home Depot, and uh, he, he made made good money on Home Depot stock over the years, uh, and as did a lot of people that worked there. Made more than he made at Eastern. A lot more. <laughs> they still got a nice big ranch up in Montana, I think, Home Depot stock. But it's nice to see that. You know, the store manager did well. It was a great time to be part of that retail operation. Later on, I... Uh, I did the startup and uh, took Gander Mountain. You know, hunt fish sure, Gander show. Mountain, absolutely. Yeah, unfortunately, they've fallen on hard times. I, I just saw that. Yeah, long ago left there, but took it public and sold it. So uh, I ran Scott's Miracle Grow as the president and uh, chief operating officer for a couple of years. And then I got this call one day and said, hey, how would you like to run a nonprofit? And I said, on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> and, well, the retail business does that on their own now. That's now perfect. they do. I, I was during the good times in retail when it was really growth, growth, growth. And today it's uh, unfortunately changed a lot. So you got a call out of the clear blue. Yeah, I'll call it from a... Did they know that you were in aviation? Yeah. Okay. yeah the, the, Had you been active with AOPA prior? Not much. I mean, you know, a little, but not much. And uh, EA and been around and owned Warbirds and flown a lot of stuff, uh, but not really. And uh, so I met with their board four years ago, right now, and they gave me the unanimous uh, support to say, if you want this deal, tours. And uh, so four years ago, uh, this summer, I came to AOPA, and I couldn't be happier. We've made... Things like the basic med, third-class medical, you know, trying to lower cost of aviation, really important, and getting some things done. So I'm proud of it. What's amazing is AOPA is what, 80 years old? Well, it will be 78 this spring. 70? There's only been five president CEOs in the history, which That's is right. incredible. Yeah, it is. Well, uh, what was the name of the gentleman that was there for like 30 years? Uh, Phil Boyer. Before Phil. Uh, uh, let's see, Hartranf? Uh, yeah. No, it was, it, was, it was right before Phil. Oh, John Baker. John Baker. That's right. No relation. <laughs> no. No relation. No relation. I guess they, the first requirement, you got to be a Baker. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Your last name is Baker. I never you, met the guy. <laughs> never met him. John Baker. He was there for, I think, 30 years. 26 or 7, yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, and then Phil was there for a long time. We've had him years. on the show. Yeah. yeah. So longevity is a good thing, and you just told me you're re-up for another yeah. four or five years. Yeah, that's right. Outsta well, you're going to be busy for the next four or five years. <laughs> now, one thing you've been working on to make it easier for pilots to fly is medical reform. Up to this point, if you wanted to fly a private or a sport aviation plane, you had to go every two years, get a medical certificate, and it was a somewhat cumbersome process, but you have been working on that uh, because the, the science shows that there really hasn't been a lot of incidents in the air where people have uh, passed out, things like that. We saw one on an American Airlines plane a week ago, and they go through an extensive physical every six months, so That's it right. can still happen, but it's very... The probability is very, very low. You've worked on something called basic med. That's right. It's, it was the number one issue that pilots and, and pilots that wanted to be back in the game uh, came to me as I did town halls in my first year. 
And we put a significant amount of resources uh, on to try and find a way to get the legislation changed. We had asked the FAA for a change. And a good example of that would be if you've had a kidney stone, you're medically incapacitated as far as the FAA is concerned. Now, nobody ever has gone incapacitated from a kidney stone. may hurt like a son of a gun, but they don't pass out. Or many of these other things that have cost thousands and thousands of dollars after you've had one stint put in, they now have to go get an electrocardiogram every year and go on the tread test. When you know you're already healthier than you were, you're driving a car. Right. And this is for non-commercial aviation to be able to fly up to five passengers, six people total, you know, in a 6,000-pound airplane, which is most of the airplanes out there. We were able to get that added, since I saw you last year at this, uh, to the extension to the FAA, which is, takes a lot of work to get any amendment attached to an extension. And that was passed and signed by the president last uh, July. becomes effective here now, May 1st, in less than 30 days. You'll be able to use that as an alternative way to comply with having your own way of certifying you're healthy with your own personal doc rather than somebody you see every two years you don't know. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing is, like you say, you have a kidney stone, then you have to go through a 60, 90, 120-day process. They're backed up like crazy in Oklahoma yep. City. And that's another thing. I mean, they, they, we're in the 21st century. They're operating like they're in the 18th century. <laughs> and that's really, I think, the big frustration people have with government. We have a new president who has vowed to cut uh, overzealous regulations and try to streamline things. And I know that one of the proposals he's got is to privatize air traffic control. I'm not, or the FAA, I'm not so sure I agree with that. From one perspective, I think it would be great to get a private company as long as the board was composed of the AOPA, the National Business Aviation, the EAA, the airlines, and the tax structure didn't change. Where now, every time you pump in a gallon of gas, there's tax built in. We don't have to file forms. You want to see bureaucracy? Go to Nav Canada. That's right. Our neighbors to the north. That would be a disaster. It would be a disaster. And we're working. I'm going to be up in testimony tomorrow uh, with the Senate subcommittee about these issues. Uh, there are things that we think the FAA does really well. I mean, air traffic control works pretty darn good. It does. I mean, you great people. File your flight plan. You're safely around the weather or on other traffic. You're on time. Direct to. It's a, it's a really pretty good system. And it's the biggest and the best in the world. Safest. So I'm not sure exactly what we're trying to change here. Now, I'm the first person to say there's got to be a way that we can save some of the $16 billion that we spend on the FAA every year because of technologies, ways to implement things. And in fact, some of these antiquated you know, rules, regulations need to be revised. And having you know, all these FISDOs making decisions based on your airplane and your geography makes no sense. Well, President Trump loves to fly his own airplane, as we know. <laughs> now it's Air Force One, but Trump Force One, he's one of us. Yeah, that's right. And so... Uh, Good news is he loves general aviation because he uh, business aviation because he's used it. Mark Baker, president and CEO, Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Once again, thank you so much for the hospitality. Great to see you again. Enjoy those cigars. Thanks, dude. Yeah. By the way, CCPA, Cigar Connoisseur Pilots Association. We need a subdivision of that. Lieutenants, that wraps it up from the uh, 2017 Sun and Fun International Flying and Expo in Lakeland, Florida. Cigar Dave the General saying, Mayor Humidor, always be full. Mayor Cutter, always be sharp. Mayor be extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. Happy landings. <laughs>